0: And welcome to Crying on My Yoga Mat. My name is JD, and this podcast is all about building a community where, alongside amazing guests, we have real conversations about the low lows, celebrate the highs, and everything in between. I know what it's like to go through life feeling stuck and powerless to do anything about it. Here, you'll meet yourself where you are and learn tangible tools to help you become who you want to be while honoring the journey. You've gotten this far, so let's keep going together. Take a deep breath, and let's go. Our guest this episode is Lisa Chin. When Lisa is not wrangling spreadsheets or her three young kids, she's a writer, coach, and podcaster, lighting a torch for mothers on a journey of reclaiming themselves. Above all, Lisa values real conversations around motherhood, identity, and self-expression. She believes community, knowing your truths, and art can keep us grounded in and living an inspired life. You can learn more about Lisa and read her daily blogs at lisaforreal.com. You can also listen into conversations about who we are on her podcast, All the Things with Lisa Chin. Feel free to reach out to her on Instagram at reclaimingmotherhood. Lisa and I in this episode talk about actioning on ideas and building community as well as some of the really important nuances that come with creating community. We also talk about how we process our emotions internally and externally. And we talk a fair bit about how ego can get in the way. Let's hear this conversation with Lisa. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am so good. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I know we kind of just started chatting recently, but... One of the things that I love is finding people and being like, ooh, something feels right about them in my soul. I have to have a conversation with them. Mm. I hear you on that. It's so nice. How do you want to describe yourself to our audience today?
1: Today? Um, Well, today, my name is Lisa, as it always, almost always is, (laughs) but I'm also referred to as mom quite a bit um, by three little ones, and I am a writer. I feel like a writer and a podcaster today, and I'm an employee as well. I have a full-time
0: gig. And I'm a wife and a daughter, so a little bit of everything. A lot of bit of everything, it sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) I am excited to just dive into this conversation, so I think we'll just get right into it if you're fine. Yeah. What Mm -hmm. is your crying on your yoga mat moment? Okay, so it's a bit of a longer story because it is the impetus
1: for kind of the rest of my life, I mm-hmm. want to say. I love that. So I was at my full-time job and I was running the wellness group there. And we decided we we're going to help hold a wellness fair or wellness week rather. So we had this like this week where there was just activities every day. We had a vendor fair. We had all this stuff going on every day. And at the same time, I was I was really recently postpartum it was 2016, 2016, I was not recently postpartum. It felt like it was so, but it was like a year and a half after I had my daughter. So I was organizing this wellness fair. I was like running around like the whole entire week. And then Friday morning, there was a yoga class. And I was really excited about it because like after becoming a mom and like I just didn't have the time to really go to classes and take that time to really... Settle in and meditate and do all those things that I wanted to do. And that week was also, I was running ragged. So I was really excited. It was 7.30 and, you know, I had to get my daughter out the door with my husband. And then I had to get all the stuff together and I was running late. And then I was like, I'm going to call an Uber. And then like, the and then I'm, I lived in this like weird neighborhood where there's only one entrance and it was just kind of like funky. And I was waiting for the Uber and the Uber was like, got lost. And then oh, I had to, no it's just like and I was like about to cry like in the uber and so the the uber guy comes and he had its only it was only like a maybe a five-minute ride to work but it was just like a super interesting conversation like the, the guy created like restaurant weeks in um in this like nearby town and he was just telling me about like winning the lottery it was just like a wow. very dynamic yeah kind of morning time conversation and and so I was like, oh, this guy's really cool, whatever. And then I kind of wanted to keep talking to him, but then we got to my office and then I went inside and we were still, they kind of were all setting up and everything anyway. So we settled in, we were yogaing, and then kind of towards the end, we were laying down and doing kind of more of like the stuff where you're on your back and you're doing your, the, kind of the final round of stretches before Shavasana. And I had this idea come to mind and I've kind of always had this desire to create some sort of business.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's kind, I've touched on a whole lot of different things over the many years. Um, But at that moment in time, this idea came to me where I was like, wow, I could create wellness weeks for companies and that'd be really cool. And I'm on, and so I'm on the mat, like crying, releasing the tension from the wellness week of this week, and then feeling like I had this idea that like I've been waiting for. And then you know, we, we wrapped up and I was talking to the yoga instructor who was really good. Um, and I'd never taken a class with them before. And then kind of went about my day. Um, it was like I had to go back to work and like go through. So it was like this very like euphoric moment. And then I was like, oh, I had this idea, and then I was like, I need to think about this. And so in the back of my head, I'm like running through through all these ideas. And then kind of fast forward a bit, I was like, Okay, how do I get this off the ground? I'm thinking about like what I can do. And like, I have a bunch of contacts from all these this other work that I've done in the past. And then I started looking and seeing that, like this idea of summits was out there, like kind of holding an online summit, yeah. it establishes you as a, um, as a credible person. Mm-hmm. It also can possibly give you some cash to kind of like start something. Uh, and I thought, well, that'd be cool because then I could learn a bunch of things. Like I can make contacts. It just seemed like a very good fit. So I bought a course on summits, um, put a bunch of money in that. And then I started working on it and it kind of, the idea, like it still felt tangible, mm. but then I started, I I just started asking myself, like I started doubting myself and, and that's normal, right? When you're starting a, like a project and whatever, I was doubting myself. And then I asked myself, okay, if honestly, like if I didn't make any money from this, do I still want to do this? And the immediate answer I got was no. Like, no, Ooh. this is supposed to make me money. Yeah. And I kind of over the past year and a half up to that point, I was on this, like, I deemed it the year of self-identity. And I was on this journey of, like, figuring out who I was and how to describe myself. And uh, my whole thing is to live an inspired life. And to live an inspired life doesn't mean that you're chasing the dollars. You're, you're doing things that really light you up. And so once I felt that like visceral disgust with the idea after I after realizing I was really only doing it because I thought I could make some money from it I asked myself okay if I had to create a summit because I'm going to create a summit because I bought this course like however much money what would I create it on and I created on the fourth trimester like immediately the idea was like motherhood fourth trimester and I did it I you know I over like six months um I created an and Um, a summit where I interviewed over 40 people and just had, you know, um, thousands of participants. And it was just like, it was like my third child, you know, and a bunch of stuff happened during that time. And it actually launched right around this time, five years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. November 9th was the launch date for it. So the crying on the yoga mat moment led me to creating this thing that I really I'm still really
0: proud of to this day. So you built this awesome thing that you were super proud of. I feel like there are probably a lot of layers of emotions to creating that. Because I hear the the body's reaction of, oh, we signed up for this. I'll do it. But, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was there were a lot of moments where I thought, oh, what am I doing? Like I had never interviewed anyone before. It was all video. Actually, what was really interesting was at least physically, my daughter had rammed her head into my, my mouth. So mm-hmm. I actually had to get my, one of my front teeth taken out <gasps> and I had like a, kind of like a retainer, like a temporary in yeah. because I had to get an implant, but it was like, it takes the time for the implant to like settle into your mouth before you put a crown on it. So I had this like tooth that was like, and the guy, the the dentist like cut it too short. So there was like this gap. And so I, I mean, I just felt so self-conscious during it. So like physically I felt that way. And then emotionally, it was just very trying, like just new things and it's uncomfortable. And change is always uncomfortable, but also, but then every time I talked to somebody, I just loved it. I loved, you know, all the topics Mm -hmm. that I, Covered in the summit were topics that I had either found helpful postpartum or topics I've just found out about that I wish I knew about um, when I was pregnant and
0: planning for postpartum. Mm, that is so powerful. I love a mass of knowledge is always really exciting. <laughs> I agree. So the summit obviously was great at the time. What have you done with it going forward?
1: It's interesting because it's been sitting there. Mm-hmm. And so it's still there and it still has people signing up every every month um but i but this is like part of my self journey in claiming power and claiming presence and all of that also like to, to understand like how that plays what role that played in all of this and it's it kind of stands on its own but i also have been afraid of putting it out there like again you know And there's just there's fears of, oh, the content's old, Mm. even though it's it really is mostly evergreen Um, or that I, you know, or that it doesn't fit with what I'm kind of trying to do now, because like what I'm that was very much like a passion project. I mean, it was something that I knew had to get out there. I need I needed it done for whatever reason. I just knew I needed to do it. And. And it's the same like with my podcast right now. I don't have like a full plan with it, yeah. but it needs to be done. It's been on my mind for seven years. Like, mm-hmm. so it just needs to be done. Um, and that's kind of how I live my creative life is that I just do the things that I feel like need to be done. And and they, call, they come to me. I try not to ignore it too much. Um, you know, like the podcast, it was when it's like high stakes. A, you know you feel resistance but um but i try not to because i thought this year i was like okay enough this is enough like um i don't know if you've read elizabeth gilbert's big magic oh not yet oh you need to because there's this one idea like where um words about ideas and ideas float from people to people like kind of like fairies i imagine and that if you as a recipient say like ah you're like a good idea but i'm not ready for you or you show signs that you're not ready it'll to the next person yes. you know it's not attached to you or anything like that um and so for me I was like okay I need to do a podcast because otherwise it's gonna leave and I will not have done it <laughs> and it's not that and you know I I have all these iterations of podcast covers um and like notes but I, I took a course like four years ago on Ooh. podcasting like I did all this stuff and, and I'm <laughs> reading these notes and I'm like okay so all this time I thought I was like this this Podcast was like this great idea and this like new version of whatever it is. And I'm like looking at these notes, I was like, yeah, I'm i t- I'm talking about what is in these notes. It's just that yes. it took me this much time to finally get to like be ready to put it out there. Absolutely.
0: Oh, it's so it's so wild to like actually dip our toe into the thing that we've been like looking at the shoreline on and then be like, oh, this is actually like the same temperature that I am. I was so worried about this cold water. And I'm not even shocked because we're doing what we already knew.
1: Ah, oh, it's so true. It's such a good analogy too. like thinking that you're like jumping into this pool and it's going to shock you. And it's like, you know, actually, like we don't, we're not jumping, we're easing and we're easing and we're just kind of hanging out and it's, it's tepid and comfortable and we're just going to mosey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, that's so good. I'm doing seasons with my podcast. So like this Bye. first season is like people I know and then next season's I, it's going to be, I think, on health. I don't know if it's going to be women's health or just health in general. Awesome. But at some point I'm going to do postpartum
0: and I'll repurpose
1: and there'll be a lot.
0: That is very cool. I like the idea of seasons for podcast. And you say that perfectly because I believe I'm going to take a break for December. So I may as well start Mm. saying that now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so a, a little bit of my life scheduling might be changing. So I would not be able to do it for December. But aside from that, it gets to be a lot. I love the process like this just is so fulfilling, but at the same time, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to do. It's a lot to schedule. Yeah, there's a lot of steps to it, and and all of it is to lead to conversations
1: like this. Mm-hmm. And and so when you're in that moment, you're like, that's what I've been waiting. For. Yeah. And then and then afterwards, you're like, oh, I gotta put all the notes together, and I gotta do all this, and, <laughs> and then it. But it. But those conversations like fuel me for the next. I mean, I'm I'm just starting. I'm like on. I just published number six today. I think, amazing. Like yeah. I'm excited. I, I mean, it's been like, but it's been pretty effortless because of like, what's fueling me are the conversations and the conversations fuel me enough to the next conversation, you know, and like re-listening to them and being like, oh my God, this person's amazing. Yes. Like they need to be out there. Like that's the goal for me. Like when I'm <laughs> interviewing someone, like I interviewed this woman on one of my first episodes, she's, she lives in my town and I heard feedback from other folks in town. I'm like, oh, I've never heard Jane speak before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know she's, she didn't- and that's like that's the goal, is like just to elevate people and like and give others a platform. Yes. And even though like you know, even when you're just starting out, it may not seem like you have a platform, but like
0: you're creating a platform, and yeah, and creating yeah. community too. That was one of the big parts of it for me was. I felt like such a misfit for so much of my life. And so I'm like, I need to start creating community rather than feeling like the world is leaving me out. I've got to invite in other people. That is so true. What are your thoughts on what community means? That is ever evolving. And I'm relearning what community means because I was raised in the church. So community was church and once you're outside of the church and it's hard to meet friends as an adult especially if you don't have conventional jobs where you're going out and meeting people all the time so it's really finding other people who align with different different value sets that you have and like slotting them into those parts of your life so like sometimes you need a friend to go sit on patios with Sometimes you need a friend that is going to come over and sit while you clean your house because you're like, I can't clean my house without someone telling me to clean my house. <laughs> I think there are, there are so many layers to it. And I'd, I'd love to hear what, what you think about it if you're a little further down the line than I am. Yeah, I mean,
1: I've been thinking community is one of those things I think about quite a bit. It's actually on my board above my desk
0: because one year,
1: I think it was 2020, was the year of community. I, I don't do resolutions. I do themes for the year. Love it. So community was like my theme. And in 2000, it was 2020. 2020, I was like, this is the year. I am mean, gonna like, I've, I, I had my third child in 2019. So it was kind of like six months postpartum, I'm like I'm ready to get out there. I'm going to, I was going to create this like wellness fair, actually, funny enough, like a wellness um, fair in town. And I was just like super excited about it. And then COVID came. And then I was like, how do I build community when we're isolated? Yes. Right? And that's been really interesting. And so I live in this amazing neighborhood with generous, really nice, open people. And there were opportunities to create community despite all of that, where we help each other when we could, where we met outside and you know, we're socially distanced and all that stuff. And we were able to create bonds despite like the distance that was you know and what one thing I learned about community is that it requires not just for you to give but for you to receive Mm -hmm. so like um when I was postpartum with my third I lived in this town um and I do this practice postpartum called confinement, which is a Chinese traditional Chinese practice where you stay home for 30 days. You don't do anything. Your mother or your mother-in-law or your aunts or someone comes and takes care of you. Hmm. And so I practiced that for my last birth and my mother-in-law was in town. My mom lives with me. My husband was off. I had so much help. But then I had friends who were like, oh, I'd love to drop off food for you. And like, for me, I was like, oh, I don't I don't need it like I have so many people in my house like who am I to like accept help from these people yeah and then who am I then I'm thinking about all the dietary things and like oh what if they don't use the ingredients that I would use and it's like okay let me just take a step back and think about this for real like okay if these people want to give something to me like I I need to be willing to accept it because that creates a bond I mean it really does And it's not that I'm in a deficit because I've received something, but it creates a relationship. And in order for, you can't just continuously give to someone and expect a relationship to happen. Like they need to receive it. And then they in turn give back. But, and that's just how community works. It's not like you just constantly dole out stuff and then, or you constantly receive, like it just has to be this give and take to it. Yeah. That's kind of like my one, one of my biggest lessons around that.
0: Oh, I love that. That is really, I'm very much a receiver. I love to receive. It's taken some years to work on my giving. I'm still, I still work on it every day. And what you said about we can't just give, give, give if someone's not also receiving and giving back. That's so true. And so few people realize that there is a detriment to giving when someone else isn't receiving or when they're not Mm. giving back. Like there are a lot of people who get very bitter because they see the good person that they are. They see how hard they work, how giving they are, how loving they are. And when a person such as myself, sometimes as a receiver, isn't actually looking for that help and the person is still giving it and burning out on giving and Mm. giving and giving, and they're bitter at me. And I'm like, but like, I'm Teflon. I didn't actually, nothing stuck to me because nothing was for me. It was secretly for the other person. But sometimes we don't see that.
1: Mm. All right. One of, I'm, I'm going to look it up because I oh, I, I quote, quote Wayne Dyer so often. And yet I always misquote this. But he says, how people treat you is their karma and how you react is yours. and there's a reason why he's like the godfather of self-development right but like that is my i mean i carry that with me that i don't even remember the first time i read that but i was like oh my gosh like yes like everything that we do our reactions are it's all all about us and once we can internalize that then we can we can see it in other people and once we were like oh with the way you're reacting is because you're scared, because you're lacking control, because you had a bad day, because you, you know, feel this way about yourself because this happened to you. Like once we can see that about ourselves and once we have the empathy to understand ourselves, then we can, then we're able to see that in other people too. And when you're looking at someone who's like giving, 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 and they're being upset at your reaction, they're being upset is not because of you. It's because solely because of their expectations or their assumptions that they've made.
0: Yeah. It's it's so good. We've talked uh, earlier in an earlier episode of the podcast about emotional immaturity, especially in parents. And that is v- indicative of emotionally immature people sometimes. And it feels like such a harsh thing to say, but there are so many nuances and levels to it. So if you have a tendency that's emotionally immature, it's okay. It gives you an opportunity to look at yourself and be like, okay, Where is this giving nature coming from? What love am I trying to receive by pouring this specific love on another person? Yeah. Well, I mean, you say,
1: I mean, that that word immature is actually very important in the idea of emotional immaturity because the immature part of it comes from the part of you that was immature, that is storing that emotion. So it's not that someone's emotionally immature. It's because they are tapping into this part of them that is immature, that's stuck in that pattern. Yes. So it's like, how, so
0: how old were you when you were feeling that mm-hmm. and then, and then working through that? Yes. I have seen a quote that's like, knowing someone's trauma is an entire love language. Oh my gosh. I've never seen that, but yeah, yes. that is, oh, I mean, on my uh,
1: Instagram profile, I say uh, noodle soups are my love language, but emotion—knowing of someone's emotional trauma—is also another one of my love languages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to change your bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's truly so powerful in any type of relationship that we're in. If we understand the base level of where someone else comes from, so like sometimes when I am reacting a certain way, my partner is able to look at me and be like. Oh, okay. Did we trigger something here? Like, are we are we dealing with thirty year old JD? Are we a little bit younger? We're a little bit younger. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I see. I see that. I see that. I love you. That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: And I I do also think it's very important that even if you understand someone's emotional trauma, and even if you can empathize with them, and even if, even if you can understand all that, like you also are not responsible for them. And it's very important to have that boundary of like. Okay, I see you and I see that this is what, this is why you're doing the thing, but I also am not going to insert myself in there because this is not my place or
0: whatever, for whatever reason. That is one of the most vital parts of the integration of what we're talking about here. It's so often not even about you. Like there's so often where, my my husband is my mother and I'm, I'm upset because my mother is <laughs> mistreating me. It's not, I'm not angry at the man in front of me. I'm angry that I didn't have my voice as a child. So I need to shut down mm. because my body shuts me down at 30. Yeah. At 30 is young. I know. Oh I gosh, still got like, so much more trauma to go.
1: <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying 30 is young in that like there are people who are 60 who are just embarking on this. Yeah. And honestly, like no matter where you start, you have a lifetime of... I say you have like infinite layers already. So it doesn't matter where you start. 30 is young. Yes. And that has not to discount anything that you've gone through. It is just saying that you are so lucky that you are 30 and you are aware of it Yeah, because there are so many people who are 60, 80, like who don't, don't, and probably will never have the opportunity to do that kind of healing. Yeah. No matter if you're 60 or 30, like no matter if you, even if you're 18. Like you have a lifetime, like infinite layers of trauma to go through. So it doesn't matter if you're young or old because then there's intergenerational, there's past lives, there's like
0: whole lots of layers. So just go slowly and be gentle. Yes. Our very last episode was about small steps and how baby steps still climb mountains. And that's something that I really hold to because no matter what's what stage of the staircase or ladder you're at, there's always, there's always more to go, whether it's before or behind you and it's beautiful and terrifying all at the same time. Pretty much, yeah. Beautiful and terrifying. <laughs> I love, I think what we are talking about as well, one of the additional importance is that I think you and I have both kind of come to realize is how important it is to move things through our body. Mm. The fact that like our body holds on to these things, a lot of these memories are our body remembering them. So when we're able to do a physical practice, like even so much as stretching or dancing or singing, it's making space for something that didn't have space previously.
1: Mm. I hadn't thought of it like that. I would have always thought of it. I mean, yes, you're making space. I, I I, was thinking of it as you're releasing something that you had been holding on to, but then in turn, you are making space for something else.
0: Yeah, hmm. that's so true. Yes, because I think, I know with things like uh, Reiki or EFT tapping, sometimes you start yawning or I know people start burping because you're you're releasing the energy that was locked up.
1: I've been um, working with this this money coach. Ooh. Yeah. Um, she's going to be on my podcast very soon. Very excited about it. But she does neuro-linguistic programming. Yes. And oh my gosh, that is, I, I don't, I wouldn't be able to do any justice in describing it, but she does that in like family constellation
0: work. Ooh. And so like this How powerful is that? Like
1: bananas powerful, yeah. like super, super, duper powerful. It is this release and this, these emotions that we hold on to In our memories, in our bodies, in our actions, and just re anchoring ourselves into different, like new thoughts that we, that because the previous thoughts we had were established when we were younger and they helped us survive, but they're no longer needed because we are adults and we can do hard things and do the things that, you know, um, to quote um, Glennon Doyle's podcast, right? Um, but yeah, like we, we have that ability now as adults and that's like, that's a, it's, it's a very, it's been a very interesting, like experience going through like this program with her and, and trying to delayer some of this stuff.
0: It's, it's pretty wild. Cause you grow up being like, I am learning all these things I need to know. I'm going to be so set when I'm an adult, you become an adult. You're like, I have to unlearn what? how much do I have to unlearn? you like, literally, it's, it's like everything. <laughs> everything. And they give you zero.
1: There's actually zero preparation for being an adult. <laughs> like I remember graduating college and I was like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Who am I? I mean, I, I did kind of have a self-identity crisis, but then I was an employee. So I could kind of just roll with that Ooh, yeah. for a while. Right. And then I kind of like work hard, party hard and um in New York. And then and then it wasn't until I became a mom where I was like, yeah, that whole like employee thing and all these other roles that I have don't quite fit the bill anymore. So I'm going to have to like figure this whole thing out.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd love to ask where you're at in that journey now because so you created the summit. You told us all the different hats that you wear currently still as and that included in that is podcaster and full-time employee. So your idea of what you want to do for your future has shifted a little bit. I see. What is your current like? What gets you up in the morning to work towards your future?
1: Oh, it's such a good question. Oh, It's really funny because as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of my husband who's like, that's just a stalling response, (laughs) which I'm totally stalling. (laughs) That's okay. Um, What gets me up? I don't know. I, I stay up until actually what keeps me up. What keeps me up because I tend to do my work late at night is just the desire to get my thoughts out. So mm-hmm. I write a daily blog, and then I do the podcast, and that's kind of my creative work at this point in time. And I do Instagram, and you know that's kind of minorly creative, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's kind of tertiary. The but what gets what keeps me up at night is just that I have these thoughts and these observations that I feel like I need to. Capture before I lose them. Yes, and it's like this feeling of like if I don't write it down, I will not incorporate it into my being. So, what way I process things, I write them. Like in college and in high school, like would write my like write notes for the chapters so I can learn about it. So that's how I kind of integrate all that. So, like for me, like writing helps me sort through. I call my writing glorified journaling. Mm-hmm. So, like writing helps me sort through my thoughts. It helps yeah. me with like the observations that I'm making. It it also helps me tap into other energy like that i can kind of pull like in and that that excites me and that makes me want to just do more but i honestly don't know well okay origin story <laughs> um <laughs> so the reason the reason i do all this is because i have always done things that I don't know why. And the reason I've always done things I don't know why is, is because when um I was in the womb, I was given a thought from my mom, a belief that I was going to do something with my life. Mm, yes. And that ha- I have I was, became aware of it in my like mid 20s. And I Carry that, like, and that—that that explain. That's the only explanation I have for why I do the things that I do. Why I feel like a black sheep amongst, you know, right? That. Like you were saying, that. like yep. you, <laughs> yes. Um, and why I do these things, like I—I don't know. I have no other explanation than this one moment yeah. in the womb, six months in the womb, where, um, I felt that from my mom.
0: Yeah,
1: and I mean, and my—I don't know if my mom actually like. She never verbally told me that, but it doesn't matter. because of the circumstances that were like the things that were happening at that point, that's the only thought that I can think of that
0: would have crossed her mind.
1: That's the origin story of why I do all the things that I do. Oh,
0: that's really incredible. I I, fe- I have felt a, a similar calling on my life, especially when one does grow up in the church and like my grandma's an evangelist, so very churchy and... Uh, she passed me her spiritual baton at one point, and mm. that's that's a lot of pressure. And it's uh, Christian, since you're two, and you're told that, like, you're going to be a leader. You're going to, like, bring people to something bigger than yourself. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you go through life like, wait, how am I going to do that? Bring people to – I can't even bring me to me half the time. What do you – what? But <laughs> it's really – a breath of fresh air to be able to cognizantly consider these things as an adult and be, okay, what matches with who I am now? What matches with my values? What do I actually want to put out in the world? Is me being a leader because I feel like I need to be a leader? Or is it because I have things to say that people need to hear that will change lives? and calling ourselves yeah. on that. How much is ego? How much is ingrained? How much is desire for good?
1: Oh. That's a big, that's those are big questions.
0: <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's almost all ego. <laughs> it's an incredible amount of right? ego in my it's daily life. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of ego and it's a lot of and ego being also scared inner child and being like this all these parts of you that are freaking out and doubting and mad and angry and sad and all those emotions. So is ego then like any, any time when you're just not present, right?
0: I think ego is when you, now everyone take a deep breath before I say this. Ego is when you choose, to not be okay so ego is one of those times where like you see the little bit of choice where you can maybe soften and try the new path that's really fucking scary but you choose to stay stuck that for me is when my ego comes out is when I'm choosing myself in the wrong way okay when you're making a choice choosing like that choosing to stay in the stuck has had me in my ego for a really long time even if we're talking like jealousy and things it's all just ego thinking that i'm not measuring up and choosing to stay in the thought mindset that i'm not going to measure up rather than oh damn look at them go that's really cool i bet i bet they're meeting their own goals and that's really nice mhm it's hard it's like a you have to you have to like consciously work not against
1: it but like work against you
0: (laughs) you've you've got to meet that part of yourself with grace being like I understand what you're doing here I see it I love um Amber Ray is an author and she has a feelings journal and one of the methods that she kind of has is like you name the emotion that you are that you want to feel and you kind of say hey anxiety thanks for showing up I'm here and ready to listen. What would you like to say to me? Or what do you need me to hear? Mm. And that's been really helpful to me because one sleepless night, I'm anxious. So I turn to my brain. I'm like, hey, anxiety. Thanks for being here. I see what you're doing. I know that you are so supportive of what I do and you want to see me get this done. But you know what? I am going to get it done. And I can only get it done if I have a good sleep. So you got to trust me for a minute. Thank you for reminding me and warning me. But for right now, you got to just take a quick backseat. I'll see you in a couple hours. And it helped me actually get to sleep. <laughs> it's it's a really powerful little tool to be able to be like, okay, this is what this is. I know the part that it plays or that it thinks it's playing or that it's played for the past however many years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if we're just going covering our ears and going, la, 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 la. It's going to yell and it's going to yell and it's going to yell. And if you don't hear it, it's going to show up in your body. It's going to show up in your gut. It's going to show up in your skin. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that's such an important point to make is that it does like this whole idea of like where you were saying before, like movement clears, you know, and like, and like that movement is the release. So like, You also release your anxiety just in a different way, not in a moving way, but in emotionally like, like saying goodbye to it kind of way and like acknowledging, like acknowledging it, but then also saying, hey, I can take over. I'm good. And I did something similar, but it was kind of, but I mean, that's like, but it's just a different version of that where I kind of talked to like, you know, four-year-old version of me when I was triggered by my four-year-old. And it's like, okay, like, yes, you're, you know, you were you were unseen before and you want control. And you know, it's just like it's all about feeling unseen and wanting control, really. Yes. Um, but like talking myself through it and and I, I and I tend to share a little bit of this um on my blog because I think it's helpful for people to actually have examples of how you do that Hugely. because otherwise you're like, Am I doing it wrong? And honestly, yeah. like you think you're doing it wrong half the time anyway. It's just like, you got to go with it. If, it. if you feel like you're supposed to talk to yourself because like you're a five-year-old, then talk to yourself like you're a five-year-old Yeah. and work through it. It's just so essential for Absolutely. the continuing of our human race to actually do this work. Like honestly. Uh, uh.
0: <laughs> and it's so gratifying. Like, being deep in this work as you and I are. Cause then we get to meet other people that do the work because a lot of the time that I spend on social media or out in the world, I'm like, Ooh, y'all aren't doing the work. <laughs> or you think you're doing the work, but you're really not. Mm. <laughs> that is, that's mm. dangerous. Spiritual that's bypassing really dangerous. is a conversation for another day. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's that's like, if you, if you think you're doing the work, just check and make sure. Because sometimes I, I fall in that category where, like, I'm totally doing
0: the work. And I'm like, nope, nope, not doing the work. Ego's egos, right there. Yes. And be uh, be uh, cognizant enough to allow people to be like, hey, I see you think you're doing the work, but, like, <laughs> you're not. Because if you are letting ego make you not listen to a victim, you mm. need to check yourself before I wreck you. <laughs> uh people who are victims growing up do not enjoy watching other people be put in victim states
1: (laughs) Mm. it's interesting because like one of my beliefs about people is that everyone wants to be on the right side of history yes history being very different for everyone right Mm. so I have I have this weird ability to see both sides yeah and to be able to like, oh, I get it, and then it's like, oh, I get it, and so I'm in a situation right now where like I I feel like I'm the victim, but I can, but I also 100% believe the other person feels like they're the victim.
0: Ooh, that is something to hold. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a very it's a very
0: weird place to be in,
1: and to have it unresolved is probably the worst part of all. But it is it's like this feeling of not even like I've been wrong, but like, this is not the right thing to have happened. And like, it shouldn't have happened this way. But then I can also see the other person completely believing that about themselves. And it's Mm -hmm. like, so, so if I'm in this position where I can, and this is part of my like, mind, and it comes to terms with like this truth of mine, right? Like, okay, so if I believe I'm on the right side of history, and they believe they're on the right side of history, what is right? And what does it actually mean? And what should, what should I be doing about it? Like, should I be being like the bigger person mm-hmm. and like being like I see your side of history, um, and and then maybe like I my side of history shifts because my side of history is just like I want there to be peace, you know? Ooh, yes. Um. Or do I continue being like oh I'm right, and then it being terrible for the rest of my life or whatever you know.
0: That is fascinating. My, my partner has a very similar ability to you as in he sees both sides and he wants to stick up for the person who isn't heard in that current conversation. So he accidentally plays what I call devil's advocate sometimes. And it's not him being the devil's advocate. He just sees me being really harsh on one side and being like, JD, you don't see these other parts of the side. I'm like, I don't want to. He's like, but you have to, this is how we have to heal as a society. <laughs> but it's that same thing with So if we bring that into an argument, it's he understands both sides of it. He sees that he's in the right. He sees that I'm in the right. And he's going to bow to who is more loud about being right kind of thing. So if I'm overtly Mm. emotional, I'm going to win, quote unquote. And that's something that he is really strongly working on because I've been like, no, don't just let me win. Like, you've got to be the louder voice if you need to be the louder voice. But it's terrifying.
1: Yeah. Like you don't, yeah, it's like, do you want to be the bigger person? But you'd also want to shut down that part of you that was like, this is not right for me. Yes. So it is this weird thing. And it is also this idea of like living in community and relationship with people and balancing that. Because at the end of the day, like we're all kind of interconnected, right? So like something happens in my world. And even before I met you, it impacted you on Mm -hmm. some level, you know? So I'm still trying to grapple with it myself. As you can see, I'm not, I don't have fully formed thoughts around it. Cause
0: I'm still like in it. And I think <laughs> about it on the daily, like <laughs> working through it. That's definitely one of the challenges of being a podcast host. Like I'm working through every single thing that I talk about in the show. There's nothing that I'm fully, fully like healed on.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because like the majority of the podcasts I listen to are like, oh, they, they, they don't. Pause it that way. Yeah. Where I'm like, and maybe you and I are very similar in this regard. Like I, I remember like, so I, I share land acknowledgement at the beginning of my. Podcast.
0: Which I love. Oh, thank you. Would you um, like to do I, a land acknowledgement right now? I, you know, I really wanted
1: to like kind of like in the middle and I was like, Oh, I was just like, mm, I, yeah. do it now. We'll uh, have um, it in here. Yeah. Okay. So um, I do want to acknowledge that I am podcasting, speaking from the unceded and traditional lands of the Nipmuc and Massachusetts tribes. I live in a town outside Boston, Um, and so I share that acknowledgement before every podcast because I feel like the examination of who we are is not complete if we don't actually include the acknowledgement of so much of what lays in in the country that I live in, at least, right? Um, I don't know about the listeners, but the network of understanding, culture, um, beliefs, and values that our country holds very much stems from the genocide and the mass you know, mistreatment, um, to say it lightly, of the native people. So I try to bring that in because so much of like what we believe and what we think to be true is actually not true because it's systemic. And so like even something as simple as, oh, girls like pink and boys like blue, like that's, and I like wanna say all curse words, right? Now. <laughs>
0: all the curse it's words
1: <laughs> like, it's just messed up like yes. it, that is systemic yeah like you may think it's really tiny like oh like, my preference is pink actually i did not have a preference for pink and Same. i realized this because i was anti that idea but then i actually really love pink like my podcast logo is like all pink now and stuff like that um and i actually wrote about like reclaiming pink um, i'm
0: reclaiming yellow the gold yellow of mine is exactly a color that i'm reclaiming It's <laughs>
1: So yeah, it's like this, um, but I do, I think it's really important and I actually haven't heard of land acknowledgement, um, but I'm on my own kind of journey of dissecting race within myself um, and advocating for those. Like I'm part of a social justice group in town. Uh, my friends and I started and we're trying to address kind of inequities in town and raise awareness and like understanding. And um, and we are on native land and like, like the former mascot, of our school was in, like the head of a native American. Mm. So like that, so I, it's, it's kind of close to home and I'm like, I'm, I'm part of a project right now that is incorporating native voices in it. So it's just a part of me that I'm like getting shaky. So I know it's something that I, I hold dear. Um But it's something that I know that I will be kind of pulling into more of my work
0: um, as I go along on this journey i so appreciate that the very first episode of this podcast is with a yoga teacher of south asian descent and we do a land acknowledgement in that episode specifically because you really you really can't talk about acknowledging the creators and predecessors of one thing without talking about the creators and predecessors and keepers of another thing so we get to base ourselves on this land so while we're talking about the base of yoga we also got to talk about where we're currently practicing it
1: mm. an intersection of oh yeah gotta. Gotta. yeah well it's all about intersectionality
0: yeah
1: like that should be a bumper sticker it all intersects <laughs> yeah it's-,
0: <laughs> it's another love language <laughs> and there is just so much more to learn and I'm so grateful that you came on the show and taught us some today I love that we didn't have like necessarily a direct place that we were going to go with our conversation and we went about 80 places and I love every second of it (laughs) I really enjoyed this conversation too I wasn't sure where we're going either like when I was starting I was like oh where are we going to talk
1: about besides my crying on the yoga mat but no I really enjoyed this and I love how Your and my interests and work kind of overlap as well, which is, like you said, it's amazing to meet other people who are kind of doing this and to have to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel that connection. It's really powerful.
0: Oh, yes. Well, please tell the audience how we can follow you, reach you, learn more about you, plug that summit. My blog
1: is called LisaForReal.com. And then my Instagram handle is reclaiming motherhood, one word. And then the summit is fourth trimestersummit.com. So that's still live. I'm like I said, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it, but you can enjoy it while it's still there. Um, you can read my daily blogs, you can email me at Lisa at Lisaforreal.com um, or DM me on Instagram. I do love the content that's shared by other people. And so my stories are. A string of things that I find completely fascinating that people have shared on my thread. And so that's kind of how I use my
0: stories. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm excited to interact with you more and to talk more in the future. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for following the call of I need to do this and really putting out a lot of really awesome content about the fourth trimester, because even though I'm not a mother, I understand how vital that is in Thank you for doing every single piece of work that you're doing, including the work in your community.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to continue our conversation as well, because I think that there's definitely more to come. Oh, gosh, yes. So
0: we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. You can tag me on Instagram at cryingonmyyogamat so I can see what you're learning and loving about the show. Until next time.